Good evening, and again, welcome to Wednesday Worship. Um, tonight, we're going to get to have a live testimony. Sometimes we do videos, sometimes we might read a testimony, um, but tonight it's uh, going to be another interview format, and I'm delighted to get to um, do the interview because uh, the one giving the testimony tonight is Sherry Lee Heath, who is a friend and a neighbor and now a church member and a Christian, and um, she's going to share uh, tonight. So come on up, Sherry Lee. She's sitting with her husband, Mike, and they have uh, two kids who are in college now. So we're going to do this very hi, in a very informal way. So take a, a seat there. All right. It's great to be here. Glad to have you. I want to say a prayer. Okay. Does that be okay? Yes. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thanks for Sherry Lee, and thank you for your work in her life. I, there are so many details of how you have moved in her life and her family's lives. Um, I pray that you would guide us in this testimony, that um, we would cover what is most helpful to bring glory to you and to edify your church. Thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a question. I'm going to start with a question for you. Um, uh, Sherry Lee and I met and talked about this last week. And as we were talking, uh, you shared a little bit about growing up. And you told me that when you were growing up, your dad was the spiritual influence in your family and took you to church. But then something bad happened Mm -hmm. in that church. Can you share with us what happened? Well, when I was growing up, we went to a church every Sunday. And my grandpa came and my grandma came and... After church, we always went to the clock restaurant and had a family breakfast. And then when I became around 13 years old and I got confirmed and uh, my grandmother passed away, we had her funeral at that church. Shortly thereafter, the pastor absconded with all of the church's money. He, he left the country, um, it was all over the news, and so when that happened, my dad became not interested in continuing to go to that church. And for whatever reason, life, we had, I, have a t- I had a teenage sister, and we just kind of went on with life, but we, the spiritual side of it, was over we just we didn't go out and find a new church for me I it was just over so I mean I was a teenager so we're not going so I'll just sleep in and life just happened and you kept living and didn't really think much about it yes exactly life was good but it was I mean I just I didn't really think anymore about what I was missing because I you know, when you're a teenager and then you go on to college, you don't really think about what you're missing. You live in the moment. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, if you so. put it on the other ear and turn it the other way, it'll work better. I'll try that. Okay. Can you still hear me? No? Can you hear? Yeah. Sorry. Or you can just hold it if you want to. Yeah, the other that. way. Here. Time out. We're going to do a technical. Sorry. <laughs> I'm mechanically challenged. There, that's good. That sounds good. good. Yeah, Okay. that's better. All right. Sorry. All right, so uh, your dad um, stopped going to that church, and you guys as teenagers didn't have a church anymore, and life just happened, and you didn't realize anything was missing. Can you describe what your spiritual 
views were then? What did you think about spiritual things, or did you think about them? Um, I really didn't think spiritually. I thought about more the golden rule. I tried to treat people the way I would want to be treated. Uh, my family had rules. I tried to live within them, but I didn't really know spiritually. I didn't. It didn't occur to me that that was something that I was missing. I don't know if you've ever had that uh, something in your life. You don't really know that you don't have it because you don't know enough about it. Does you don't know sense? what you are missing because you haven't ever experienced it. Right. Okay, and you were living by the golden rule, and you shared a little bit about feeling like if you did good things to other people, you'd receive good in return, and Mm -hmm. made decisions and just lived your life. Yeah, and I did, you know, some choices that weren't good, and I paid little consequences along the way, but it never, I never really thought, gosh, if I, if I, I'm I'm missing something here, I'm I'm not getting it. I thought that I was living life to its fullest without really realizing I, I was missing the whole point. <laughs> and your dad got sick. My dad got really sick. Uh, we, Mike and I got married, and we've been married 25 years, and around uh, 2005 we had two little children, and my dad became really sick in September. And by January he was gone. And still, still, I didn't realize, it didn't occur to me at all. I, I, didn't, I didn't pray, and it wasn't because I didn't believe in it. It was, I didn't know. I didn't know any, I just, it just wasn't a part of me. It just, I didn't know anything about it. So my dad passed away, and he had a, he was a, a veteran, so we had a patriotic ceremony at, at where he's interred and I mean there was not a pastor there it was a, a maybe a chaplain from the VA and you know and it was beautiful and uplifting but it, it wasn't spiritual but still I still didn't think that wasn't spiritual because <laughs> I didn't it didn't occur to me yeah it really didn't and then you came to our church, into this building for the first time for another funeral. I and came and I sat right where you're sitting. I remember sitting, I remember I counted. Well, I don't want to be in the back. I don't want to be in the front <laughs> row. But I came to a, a funeral service here for Megan Walden. And I think that it was around 2009 or 10. And I came to the funeral because I was teaching her son at the school where I was working and she had breast cancer and she fought really hard and she died and so all of the people that I was working with said, you know, obviously we need to go and support this family. And I, I wanted to come because I wanted to be supportive, but I, I'll totally be honest I absolutely dreaded coming I thought this is this is going to be so depressing Uh, a mother who has two beautiful children and a husband and how could this happen this is horrible and I really don't want to go but I'll go and I'll do what I did at my dad's 
funeral and I'll just bite the inside of my cheek. So the whole time I'll just bite my cheek and I'll hold the tissue box and then I'll get it over with and I'll say sorry and then I'll go and I'll be I'll get out of here because this is going to be really so so selfishly I came for them but truly I it was it was kind of all about me I had like my own little pity party that I had to go and suffer through this depressing service and what was the service like though well I got here and the music was it was totally uplifting uh, and then your words you gave the sermon and so I was like wow and it was packed with people and then her husband got up and spoke and you know in that when you're at a service and and the loved one gets up and her children were in the front row and they were wearing pink for breast cancer and I thought oh my gosh this is gonna be it and he got up and he was so unbelievably strong I don't know if any of you were here for that but I'll never forget it because when he was speaking I just was looking around and I I, I just felt like I got encased in this eggshell of comfort and strength and I thought wow <laughs> I've been missing out. I, we're, this is so eye-opening. I mean, I just, I felt like I sat up. I stopped biting my cheek. I kind of started singing the songs, and I listened to what her husband said, and I just thought, okay, I've been cheated. <laughs> I've been robbed. I mean, I've, like, 25 or 30 years have gone by, and I never realize that this existed so I was so I mean I was sad about her her passing but at the same time I was when I left here I was like walking on my feet like just like the whole world opened up for me I just felt like God is really real and I, I got in my car and I just kind of I didn't cry, but I got in my car and I thought, wow, you know? <laughs> and I went home and I got this little nerd book that I wrote down some little things in here so I could remember from her service. And I put the little breast cancer ribbon on the mirror in my bedroom and I thought, I'm moving forward now. I didn't realize that I was unawakened at and, and so I just, I thought, that, that church is really something. The people there were, everybody knew the words to the songs. And I wow. <laughs> and I think you said, you know, open to whatever the passage was. And everybody just reached and opened. And I thought, how do they know what page? How do you? <laughs> you know, and I, I just thought, wow, that's a whole part of life that I truly have missed out and, and, and I would like to was very envious so then something big happened in your family sudden 
Yeah, I had that. that feeling of envy, but then I didn't really have like a wherewithal to say to Mike or my kids, let's go to church Sunday, because they would have been like, why are we doing this all of a sudden? You've never done this before. Well, so a short time thereafter, my son, I won't go into the details, I'll spare you the details, but he had a very freak accident. He was finished eighth grade going into ninth, and he stepped on a palm frond, and the thorns went into the top of his foot. And he, like, I don't know if, you're, if you've ever gotten a thorn from a palm, but he literally crawled and hopped and said, I stepped on a thorn. And, and I said, okay, so pull it out. <laughs> anyway, it asked, that was July, and, and by, by that night, he was really ill. He had a high fever, and so that was July of 2011. So by August of 2011, he was in the, in the care unit at Wolfson Children's Hospital. And, and so from August until May of 2012, He'd missed a whole, his freshman year, he missed a whole, most of the year. Uh, he had to withdraw from school and be homebound. He just was, it just kept getting worse and worse. And I felt like, I can fix this. What am I missing? I mean, we're, we're doing everything that we're told to do. We, we're, we love him and we, you know, we're, good people, we haven't done anything bad to anybody, so, and it just was not getting better, it was not getting better, but I knew that I was missing this whole piece, but I didn't know how to connect it, I didn't know how to say, hello God, (laughs) I'd like to meet you now, you know, I just, I didn't know how to do it, like get involved and but I knew I needed something because clearly what we were doing we were doing our very best and we you know as a parent you can't love your kid any more than you do but when they're suffering I realized I'm so helpless I really don't I I have no control over this I can't fix it so there were a number of people that God sent you in different ways. How did you get to the place where you were in church? Well, I knew how I felt the day that I had come to this church with, with, for the funeral. And I knew lots of people that went here from school or whatever, but I really knew Stephanie Van Dyke. She lives in our neighborhood, and our kids grew up together. And I, don't, I never like called her and said, I need help. She just... She was sent to me. I, she was sent to me. And she probably doesn't remember because this comes so naturally for her, but she said, why don't Maddie and I come over and we'll pray with you? And I thought, that would be great. You could come over. <laughs> I don't know that you would be praying with me because I don't really know how to go about that. But they came over and, and, and it just was really uplifting. And I knew she belonged here and she kind of made reference, you know, the McDonald's live in this neighborhood and, you know, they're, they're part of the church and, you know, just 
there's always a home for you here. And so shortly thereafter, that was around Halloween, and then shortly thereafter, the infection really took a turn for the worse, and um, I reached out. We couldn't find the email, I'm sad to say, but I had the email, and it came on my day off. And I remember reading it and thinking instantly, she's asking for us to go pray for her, but doesn't even have the spiritual language to articulate that. Mm-hmm. And um, Hannah and Ellie and I were home, and Heather was at work, so we rode our bikes over to their house, and there was Grady with his big foot up on the coffee table. And the and, IV. And the, yeah, the pick line and all that stuff. And we came in and visited a little bit and just... Girls and I were very comfortable with prayer and said, well, we're going to put our hands on Grady's leg. We're going to say a prayer and ask the Lord to heal him. And we said our prayer and chatted some more, and then we went back home. And the whole time they were doing that, I was praying too, but I was just thinking, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is amazing grace that there are, there are people who, who have God surrounding them. And I felt like God is surrounding me as well, but I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to awaken myself, and, and that, that really, when I heard you all pray, that taught me, that was like a little kick, <laughs> like this is, just talk to God, just accept, you know, that you don't have control over everything, and just tell him what you're anxious about. And I will say, from my perspective, it was, it felt like a basically uninspired prayer. I went over, I just said some words like I would do. I didn't think it was particularly poetic or deep. The girls and I just said some prayers and went back home. And it, and it loosened up your tongue to pray to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so then what happened? What happened with Grady? What happened in the next part of his medical journey? Uh, that was about early November. And then right before Thanksgiving, the infection really did get out of his ankle and spread through his blood. And so Mike and I had to like literally wrap him in a blanket and take him. But it, it's a strange thing. And I, I hope I can articulate it. But when that happened and he, he really couldn't move, I knew it was okay. I just, I didn't have a feeling of panic. I just knew, I knew, I just had faith that this was God's way of telling me, okay, we're connected now, and, and I'm, this is like, this is the last piece that I'm showing you, so you'll really realize that I am here and so we were at the hospital and you know within three or four days he just made a miraculous recovery he just the infection was gone enough where they could pull out the pick line and and send him home and and you know he, he still was home for quite some time but he just kept getting better and better, and he'd already had four surgeries, and so as we went for the consultation, now are we going to do this again? They all just kind of, all the doctors, wow, you know, we really got it right this time. <laughs> and they just were having trouble deducing what was, what was the correct treatment, and, and I don't know, ever since that time, coming here for the funeral, and then 
when you when you when your loved one is sick and you're like you're grasping and then and then your loved one gets well enough where they can walk and they can go back to school and they can smile and they're not hooked to a cord you know it's just nothing else really matters and so it's just everywhere i look i just i feel god's presence in my work i mean i can remember and and i know i talk a lot but I can remember driving in the traffic and just, you know, as you said on Sunday service, someone cuts you off and you're, and you're just every little things, you know, and, or kids at school would do something or their parents would do something and I would get so, and then when I realized what's truly important, those things are just so, it's such a waste of precious time. I have one last question for you that's um, a detail of the story that I find interesting because if you've been here for most of the Wednesday worships, um, a couple of weeks ago in one of the other testimonies, the people said, you know, we had money problems and we just thought, I guess God's going to just put a check in the mailbox, but it never came. Mm -hmm. Well, in your case, a check (laughs) came in the mailbox. And can you tell us about that? Well, our son was getting better, but for a late, I mean, we're talking nearly a year, so I had stopped working. Uh, Mike was still working really hard, and I was staying home to try to be the caregiver, so now I wasn't having an income, and, uh, you know, the, the hospital and the doctors were marvelous about setting up a payment plan, but when you're talking, you know, 20% of over a million dollars, you know, you're plus you're not working, plus you still have, you still have a mortgage, you still, anyway, we just, and we were, we've never been frivolous spenders, like, let's get a new car, I mean, our cars are great, because Mike's very gifted in maintaining them, but we weren't spending a lot of money, but now suddenly we were hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And you were sitting on your couch, and you prayed a prayer. I remember saying that I was trying to, I think you told me, when you pray, just talk to God. You know, you don't have to do official <laughs> jargon or whatever, you know, whatever, just talk. And I remember going, God, if, <laughs> we're, we're trying our best. We'll, you know, we just, we need a little help. We need a little something. I, I mean, I'll, I'm going to go back to work and we're going to continue to spend wisely and just, gosh, if we could just, if we just had, like, a chunk of money, you know, that would just give us a push, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, God. And, you know, I know you're here. And anyway, the very next day, and I kid you not, the very next day, I went to the mailbox. Usually one of the other, whoever gets home first will get the mail. And I went to the mailbox and I knew it's going to be full of, you know, surgeon, anesthesiologist, wolf, you know, just, okay, take them all. And then it was crammed with this big brown envelope. And it was thick, and it was just all in there. And I pulled it out, and the return label said, 
for some law firm in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And I thought, wow, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Gosh, my mom's dad was all from there, and I've, I've only met one or two descendants of our Irish relatives. Hmm, I wonder what this is. So I went inside, and I carefully opened it, and my great-aunt Dorothy, we knew her as great-aunt Dot, she lived to be in her late 90s, and she had passed away maybe two months prior to this day that I was at the mailbox, and she left me in her will. She left me in her will, and there was a check in there for a large sum of British pounds at the time, and so I did, it didn't really hit me how much it was because we had to calculate, you know, what's the exchange rate? But it was, we just started laughing because it was just, <laughs> we had just asked the day before if we could just have like a chunk of money that would just show up from somewhere that we wouldn't have to pay back. And there it was. And it really helped just, it just, ever since that whole incident, it's just God is really real. I mean, I, I talk to him every day, and, you know, he, he answers in so many ways. It's amazing. The testimonies on Wednesday night have all had prayer as a huge component, and the power of prayer, the importance of it, the, necess- the necessity for it. Um, Sherry Lee's story in addition to prayer, also speaks to God's sovereignty and learning to trust him instead of trying to control, using the doctors, thinking the medical stuff is in control or thinking that you can lead your own life and learning to trust him. I want to read something from James, just, just three verses. James writes, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. The thing about trusting God is, is also trusting that he's a good God. Through stories like this, we learn that he's in control. And sometimes the testimonies end up with a perfectly healed leg, and sometimes they don't. But the real breakthrough is eternal relationship now with God that that is never going to end. And seeing God's goodness in a number of ways through people, through hope in a worship service when, when in that case many prayers were not answered the way people prayed. But the thing that the cross shows us is how God loves us so much that he enters into suffering with us. He doesn't fly above it and he's able to sustain us when we go through those times. And what he desires is for us to cry out to him and to learn to speak to him and to then see him when he does things. Sometimes fun things like a check in the mail, um, sometimes speaking to you through another person or in a worship service. And I think it's so interesting to be back in this very room giving testimony to God for what he's done when several years ago you didn't even know him and walked into his house. If you would have asked me five years ago, were you going to be giving testimony at the church? I'd be... (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't have occurred to me. Well, I want to say a prayer, and then we're going to go to the Lord's table. So let's, let's give thanks. Father, we praise you. 
Thank you for Sherry Lee and Mike and their family. Thank you for this testimony. I pray that it will encourage each one of us. What a blessing it is to know you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to kneel and let's together pray the Lord's Prayer and then we'll go to communion.